So good morning. This week I'm calling an audible. It means I'm changing the plan. Um, not because I had a busy week and couldn't get a lesson written. I did have a busy week, but it wasn't because like I didn't get something done, but because God led me down a path that was confirmed multiple times on Sunday through statements from multiple pastors. And I felt like following God's plan for the study was better than following our outline. So I have some outline, new outlines updated. So you can, um, they also, none of the questions, I, I took off all the question marks. So if you had a question mark outline, then now you don't. So they weren't, they, the question marks just needed to be gone, but you know, now you, so yeah, now, now you can put, put this one in. Um, and so as a bonus, you've already done the prep work for next week. So, um, so a few weeks ago, we studied Paul's prayer, and then we took some time to pray like Paul did. And I hope this is something that you're continuing to practice. Prayer is such a powerful thing and gives us such a special and powerful connection to the mighty God. And so I hope that you are praying with joy in all circumstances. I hope that you are seeking out gospel friendships, those people that will come alongside you and support you and where you can put the gospel first. I hope that you are praying with confidence of what is to come and with an affection for those who you are praying for. And I also hope that you are praying about how to put love into action like Paul did. Then last week, we looked at Paul's ability to rejoice despite his circumstances. He is writing from jail, and yet he's rejoicing. And why was he rejoicing? This is like interactive. Yeah. The gospel was still being shared, both by him and by others who have gained confidence because of his attitude and outlook. And then in our small groups, we answered some questions, both um, both in your group on the front side and then the back side was ones for you to sort of look at at home. And, and that self-evaluation question and our release the bear question hinted at the same thing. And so last week's self-evaluation question was, what would it take in my life for me to be more bold to speak the word without fear? And the release the bear question, what are some fears you have about sharing the gospel and how can you take courage from Paul to have no fear like the new Roman believers? I know that sharing the gospel can be scary. We fear rejection. This fear, we, re we fear a rejection of ourselves more than a rejection of the message. We're wrong. The message is so much more important than we are. So much more important. I have friendships with other believers that have drifted apart because I'm a bit more vocal or a bit more conservative or a bit more joyful and hopeful than they are. I had to realize that these friends, yes, friends plural, were not rejecting me and my friendship. They were rejecting what God was trying to convict them of in their own lives. And God was convicting them because of what they could see God doing in my life. 
So we fear rejection. We fear that we are not qualified or that we don't know enough. Who all has a Bible degree in here? Right? Just a couple of people have a Bible degree. And yet, we may have been raised in church. We know all the stories. But we don't always feel like that is enough qualification for us to help bring people to Christ. To share the gospel, we need to know the gospel. Not a script we have memorized, but the true experience of salvation by grace through faith. And when we know something intimately, we should be comfortable to share it. A couple of years ago, in, in now the group has changed over the years, but several years ago in this, in this group, in this Bible study, we looked at writing out our own short testimony of how we came to Christ in order to have a story ready to use to share the gospel with someone else. This is a great thing to do if you've never done it before. And maybe God will lead us to do that again in another change of plans for this study. I don't know. Um, but there is nothing stopping you from doing this on your own. So I would encourage you to take some time, think through how you came to faith in Jesus, think through how you were changed in that, and then write it down. It is your story, and no one else is more qualified than you are to share it. You're qualified. We may fear that we will fumble our words. I am not a fan of public speaking. I have shared that before in this group. Um, I get nervous every single week. I get nervous when I go to teach 15-year-olds at school. I mean, it is, it is something that God and I particularly on Tuesday mornings, get really, really close on um, praying that he will give me the words, that he will not let me accidentally teach heresy because I mess up and say the wrong word. Um, but if I'm comfortable with the material because I've practiced it, then I'm not going to miss the words. And so we practice a method of sharing. We did this two years ago in Bible study. So for some of you, hopefully this is a refresher in sharing the, the gospel. Um, and, but we all need the refresher. But it's extremely important. This is the most important message that you can share with someone else. When we don't share because we are afraid, we are costing someone else the chance to hear the truth. Now, I've heard this story in a couple of different forms. Can't find where to give credit, but I'm going to share it anyway. Just remember the concept is not original to me. Um, John was very active at his church. He loved God deeply. He'd been a Christian for much of his life. And he worked every day in an office. He was determined to be a good witness and be a light in his workplace. New employee George joined the company and he sat right next to him. John could tell that George was not a Christian and was determined to bring him to Christ. John and George worked closely together for several years 
and John took every opportunity that he could to show love to George. He would bring George a cup of coffee when he went to get one for himself. He brought in donuts to share. He was kind and encouraging, positive when things went wrong. But nothing changed for George. Until one day, George came back from lunch with Ringo. George had a huge smile on his face and was practically giddy with excitement. He couldn't wait to talk to his friend John. He said, John, you need to hear what happened to me at lunch today. And you need to hear about how Jesus has changed my life. John's shoulders sagged and his smile faded. Don't get me wrong, he was excited for George. George was now a Christian, but George was trying to tell him, a longtime believer, about Jesus. Didn't he know that John was already a Christian? George saw that change in body language for John and asked what was wrong. And John responded by saying, I've been showing you the love of Jesus for years to help you become a believer, and you don't even think I'm a Christian. George responded by saying, I had no idea you were doing it because of Jesus. I just thought you were a nice person. Ladies, our actions are important, but so are our words. John shared with George about the fruit of the gospel, but not the message of the gospel. And while I will be the first in line to say that a full-blown gospel presentation is not the only way to talk to people about Jesus and not the only way to plant seeds, it is definitely a necessary one. Sometimes we can just talk about how God is working in our life and in the world, and that is enough for that moment. But the message of the gospel is necessary for true salvation. I know I've shared here before that there are studies about those that attend church regularly and what they believe. Like Pastor Matt shared on Sunday, more people than you would think have a view of the gospel that is just plain wrong. I'm going to heaven because I've been going to church my whole life. I'm going to heaven because my parents are Christians. I'm going to heaven because I got baptized when I was a baby. I'm going to heaven because I gave a big gift to the church. I'm going to heaven because I serve in the nursery every week. They have believed some of those lies that Paul talks about in the book of Colossians that Pastor Matt is preaching through right now. Uh, the sermon can be found on the website, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, even Facebook if you haven't heard it. I would recommend it. It was a good one. I can help you find it. Elizabeth can help you find it. There are so many misconceptions about salvation that we need to make it abundantly clear to people. So here it is in a nutshell. Um, Romans 10, 9 and 10. I don't know where Elizabeth started with her handing out of the verses. I think it's fine. That if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes to, to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation.
So it tells us to do that someone has to do two things. What are they? Confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. We confess that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is fully God, that he has authority and power. And we believe that God raised him from the dead. This is the idea that Jesus came to the world as a human, being tempted just like we are, yet led a sinless life to be sacrificed for us, and therefore overcame death and sin. It's easy. Right? But I know what some of you are thinking. Because I've been there. I'm not an evangelist. I took place in that spiritual gifts inventory. Evangelism was the bottom. <laughs> right? While evangelism is a spiritual gift that some receive, let's read Matthew 28, 19 through 20 and see what the calling is for all of us. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, Matthew 28, that was only written to people with the gift of evangelism, right? No, it is written to each and every one of us. We are to go and make disciples. We can't make disciples if we're not sharing the gospel. And then Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And while that verse tells us that we are we are to go and to be God's witnesses, it says you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're not doing it on your own. But since we aren't all gifted in this area, it can be a struggle. So we practice and we pray. God will make the way and God will give us the words. Because it isn't our message, it's his. Before we jump into the gospel presentation, I want, to, I want to give you a challenge. We cannot share the gospel with lost people if we are not friends with the lost. When we live in the Mount Calvary Church bubble, we miss out on God's true calling for us. We go to church, we attend community group, Bible study, coffee and chaos, new horizons with Christian people. Our kids go to Mount Calvary, either church or school or both. So the parents of their friends are also connected to Mount Calvary in some shape, way, shape, or form. We seek out Christian businesses to do business. We seek out Christian fellowship opportunities. We seek out Christian volunteer opportunities. We seek out Christian people. They are safe. They are comfortable. They are easy. So if this is you, if you've fallen into this bubble, how can you live out Matthew 28, 19, and 20 where we are to go and make disciples? And how can you live out Acts 1, 8 effectively? 
how can you receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness for Jesus if there's nobody to witness to? How are you being obedient to the calling of God on your life to share the good news of the gospel? You aren't. Put yourself out there. Meet your non-Christian neighbors. Invite them into your home so you can build a relationship with them. Go to the library and find a crafting group or a story time for your kids or another meeting you can be involved in. Volunteer somewhere that serves non-believers and work with non-believers to build relationships with them. Join a gym or a pool or something like that where you will see and speak to the same people week after week. When we first, the summer after we started coming to Mount Calvary, B.J. Allen um, was preaching uh, one of the summer messages. And in that message, he was challenging people to do just this, to go and get out of your bubble. And Ray has worked from home since we moved here uh, 15 14 years ago now, 14 years ago when we moved here. He's worked from home. Still talks to some of his um, co-workers, but it's not the same to talk to them over the phone or over Zoom. And so he really took that message to heart. Um, one of the things BJ said was, go look, up, there's a website called meetup.com. You can find an interest for anything. Ray was interested in board games. He found a board game group. They met in a bar. Sorry, Sharon. I know you just heard this story the other day, but um, they met in a bar once a week to play board games. Ray didn't drink. Several of the other guys didn't drink, um, but he went and played games and invested in people's lives. And you know what God did with that? He took one of the guys and his wife would sometimes come with him. We had littles at the time, so I couldn't go very often. Um, and they actually asked him, we'd like to just get together with you and your wife and play board games. And so Ray said, Come on over, we'll have dinner, we'll play games. For the last seven years, they have been coming over about once a month to play board games. They are not Christians. They know that we are Christians. We have shared the gospel. We have shared our life with them. We have walked with them through deaths in their family, helping each other move, meals shared, celebrating new jobs. We've invited them to church. In fact, a few years ago, they came to Trunk or Treat and helped us with our trunk. Mm -hmm. They don't have kids, and that was a way we could connect them. We don't share the gospel every time we see them, but we do share life with them. And they have become dear friends. We love them. Our kids love them. Our dog really loves them. 
Ray started the endeavor to put himself into the world to meet lost people. But we both see them, and, and the important thing is he went with a goal in mind, right? But the important thing is they are people for us to love, not a project for us to complete. We need to love people, and we need to love them enough to share the gospel with them. If you don't have lost people in your life regularly, you need to make new friends. You can't do what God wants you to do if you're not doing what you have to do. Because if we know a method of sharing the gospel and we are comfortable with it and we are confident in it, but we don't have anyone to share it with, it doesn't matter. It goes nowhere. So we are going to look at a particular gospel tract today. They're either blue or brown. They're the same thing. So just go with it. But um, this, this one's called Two Ways to Live. Um, this is not the only good gospel tract, not the only method of evangelism that's out there. So if you have another one that you like better that clearly shares the gospel, by all means, go for that. Do it. Um, but I like this one. Um, it is one that I am comfortable with. As a church, when we were in... Louisville, when Ray was in seminary, there was a seven-week-long discipleship class at our church based solely around this tract. We spent seven weeks learning how to share this. So I know it well. It is my go-to method. This method hits all the points of what it truly means to, to know the gospel. It's, it's something that's easy to understand and it's, it's something that, um, that is easy to explain. It's very straightforward and easy to remember. It is clear, it is concise, and yet it fully communicates the entire message of the gospel. You also don't have to have this to be able to do it sitting at a restaurant, use the back of your napkin. That's all it takes. Paper, pencil, whatever, because you draw six pictures, you say six Bible verses, and you go. And finally, this method clearly asks for a response. This tract leads you and this method leads you to take the message from an intellectual conversation into a call to action. My first time sharing the gospel was an absolute disaster. I know God used it. I know a seed was planted. But when someone 
that I had been praying for this encounter for months. Right? Someone asked me later whether this friend accepted it or not. And I was like, I, I have no idea. I didn't give her a chance to tell me. Uh, Catherine, our, our middle daughter, she has been um, picking up on things at different times and um, it was interesting. It's interesting to talk to her about her conversion story because she recognizes how great it was that she didn't just hear the gospel, but that when Liz and R.C. Fraley Hogue led her to the Lord, she responded because she was asked to respond. They didn't just say, here's the gospel. They said, here's the gospel. Do you want it? And she did. So let's, let's dive in. Um, Two Ways to Live is produced by Matthias Media. It's an Australian company. So if you go to the the like YouTube may have some videos and stuff about it and they have the Australian accents. It's really fun to watch. Um, but there's a website, twowaystolive.com, all words. It's a good resource. If you don't have a paper copy of the tract and you want to look at it another time or you forget your tract and you need a, a boost to your memory, just type twowaystolive.com in your phone and boom, it's there. Right? You don't even need a pencil. To share the gospel. So as we've handed out these, the goal is not for you to keep it. Put it in your purse. Put it in your car. Put it somewhere so that when you are out with one of your lost friends that you're all going to go out and make this week, you're going to share it. You're going to share the method and you're going to give it to them. And you're going to say, here, if you need to look back at this, here it is, right? Um, okay, so we find, we, we have to do this a little differently because technology wasn't cooperating. Uh, somebody doesn't want us to learn how to share the gospel. So... Um, I don't have a blue one, so I'm I, on the brown one. Your page looks like this. I don't know what the blue one looks like. Skip the first picture. There you go. That's that's how they look, right? The picture is very similar. It's the same exact concept, and so this is how I would. Um, I would share the gospel. Where did I put the marker? There's the marker. Found the marker. All right. I draw a circle, a person, and a crown. Easy enough, right? That's something everybody can do. God made the world. He is the loving ruler of the world. 
and he made us as rulers of the world under him. Humanity is created to live in and rule God's world under God's authority. And then here you can even write in Revelation 4.11. Somebody has that verse. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Sounds great, right? God in heaven, people following God's directions, ruling the world in that way. All is right with the world. But that's not the reality that we live in now. And so let's see what happens. So then we have, I got to draw it in the right order. So that's one. We have our world. We have our crown. Thank you. But we rejected it. We made our own, we made ourselves as our own rulers. So we rejected God and wanted to run our lives our own way without him. We don't like someone else ruling us. And while it isn't the same method for all of us, we all want to live our own way. But when we do that, we fail to rule ourselves and the world. We all act like little gods with little crowns. We compete with one another, all with our own little crowns, and the result is miserable. The result is suffering and injustice that we see in the world around us. And the verse for this one is Romans 3, 10 through 12. And it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. And so now we're on the, again, this one's page, it says page three. It has a number three at the top, right? That one works too. Same concept. Yeah, same concept. Um, I think this one they just put on the new one, they made them all be New Testament verses. Right. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a, a use for the Old Testament verses. Yeah, but feel free if you have, so yours would be the blue one. If you have the blue one, write in uh, Romans 3, 10 through 12. And if you have the brown one, you can write in Isaiah. What did you tell me it was, Laura? Isaiah 53, 6a. 
3, 10 through 12. So in rebelling against God, we've made a terrible mess of things. And so what will God do about this rebellion? So God cares about the world. He will not let us rebel forever. He is still the king and the authority. But God's punishment for rebellion is death and judgment. This is an entirely just judgment because God gives us exactly what we want. We want him to leave us alone, so he does. He cuts us off. And the consequence of that death is hell, which is a place of total separation from God. And then we share Hebrews 9.27. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. I know there's one other place where the verse is different, so I just don't remember which place. So let me know when that comes up. But just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. God's justice sounds really hard. But that's not the end. God truly loves the world that he created. And because of that love, God sent his son Jesus into the world, the man Jesus Christ. Unlike us, Jesus always lived under God's rule. And while Jesus had the power of God to heal the sick and to walk on water, he allowed himself to be put to death on the cross. A death he didn't deserve because he obeyed God. Right? If you're writing it out, you can even point back that that was the punishment for the sin. Right? Um... He died in our place and took our punishment, making forgiveness available to us. Uh, and the verse for that one is 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. That's the different one? What's the one? What's the other one for it? Yeah, Isaiah 53, 6 is if you're in the blue one. No, the brown one. Oh, whatever it is. First Peter 3, 18. See, I first learned it in the blue one. So... The brown one is throwing me off. 
318. It's in the blue one, not the brown one. Yeah. Um, so, yes, Jesus died, but God raised Jesus to life again as the ruler of the world. Uh, I lost my spot again. Get back to my spot. There we go. Jesus took on the role that we were meant to have originally and is ruler of the world. Jesus has conquered death and now gives forgiveness and new life and will return in glory. And this is where we have 1 Peter 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So we've seen it all, and now this is the best part and the most important part of this tract. This is the one that you can be like, oh, I've, I've shared the message. I'm done. Don't stop. Don't be tempted to stop. Because you can just ask them, where does that leave us? We have a clear choice of two ways to live. First, we have our way. Where we are ruling ourselves. We are rejecting God as ruler and we try to run our own lives with that result of condemnation, judgment, and death. Or we have God's new way. Sorry, I ran into my world before. Um, we submit to Jesus as ruler. We rely on his death and resurrection. And it's where we are forgiven for all eternity. And it is John three thirty six. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. And then here it is. The part that you need to do every single time you do this is you need to say, easy question, which way do you want to live? Which way do you want to live? Ask them for a response and be comfortable with the pause as they think about it. Don't feel like you have to rush in to say something else. It's a huge piece of information that they've just been given. Give them a chance to process. Now, there are basically five responses that can come to this. I know the question has two answers, but there are five, five responses you could get. 
Um, first, they could say that they want to stick to living for themselves. Remember, this is not a rejection of you. It is a rejection of God. They don't believe what you've been sharing. Their hearts aren't ready, and that's okay. We keep praying for them. We keep looking for opportunities to show them God at work. But they have acknowledged that they know that they are living for themselves. Now, you can follow up with questions if you want to about what part they don't believe. Is it about us rebelling against God? Is it about the resurrection? You don't have to. What you know is they are definitely not ready to believe. The rest have the answers of they want to live God's way. They pick option two. So you ask the the follow-up question, how are you living now? Now, don't rush to judgment when they answer this question. You have to accept their response no matter what. But this is where you start to get those other answers. When you say, how are you living now? They may say they're already living God's way. If they are, woohoo! Right? They are Christians just like you are. Second, they may answer that they are between living their way and living God's way. And this puts them in the, what Matthias Media, the producers of the track, call on the fence. And what this means for you is that you go back to, to boxes one and two. You remind them that there is no middle of the road. We either follow God or we rebel against God. I should pick up my paper to show you. We follow God or we rebel against God. It is not full submission to God at this point. Now, the third answer to the question is that they acknowledge that they are living their own way. They say, this is the better way to live, but I'm not doing that. And that's where you get to ask them, would you like to change that? Give them your contact information or make sure they already have it. Let them ask you more questions. Invite them to church so that they can understand more of what living God's way means. But then there's those that are going to say, I want to live this way. I'm not living this way. Help me change to live this way. And when 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 they do that, Pray with them. Have them ask God for forgiveness. Have them ask God for his help in changing their way of living. Encourage them to come to church and to read the Bible. If they don't have a copy, get one for them. There are copies at church at the back of the sanctuary. Grab them. Take them. Use them. Encourage them to continue to pray and to seek God While their salvation is complete and done, they will still fail and they need to continue to trust in Jesus for forgiveness. That is it in a very big nutshell. The message in the gospel in a way that you can simply share with others. Now, 
I am not wanting you to go out and and make it your goal to be to have this be gone before you come back next week. I know that's not how it works. And that's okay. What I do want is for you to be more comfortable with a method. If it's not this one, then pick another one. Make sure it's good and biblical and, and does all the things. But I want you to practice it at home. Share it with your husband, your child, your friend, your neighbor. Tell them you just want to practice so you can keep it fresh in your head. Don't just read it. Say it out loud. Write it down. Draw the pictures. I do have questions for you in your small group. Um, yeah. I do have questions for you in your small group that will include having you practice it with a friend. Um, and while it may seem silly to practice today, and you will probably feel awkward about it, it will help you in the long run. I would rather feel awkward around someone who is gracious and understanding as a believer than when I'm sharing with a lost person for the first time. So thank you. Thank you for trying. Thank you for making the effort to learn something hard. And thank you for taking the time to make a kingdom difference. You are dismissed to your small groups.